This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. Anytime you go to the grocery store and you're waiting in the checkout line, you might notice that there are these magazines. And these magazines or tabloids usually has a lot of attractive pictures on them that lure you in. It might have a spicy hotline that you, sorry, not hotline, a a, a spicy headline, (laughs) spicy headline that's about some celebrity or some famous person. It's this person is with this person or this person's no longer with this person. And it's right at your eye level so that you can see it and read it and want to pick it up and perhaps even take it home. It's gossip. It's all about who's doing what, who's not doing what. And although we may see that in the magazines and the grocery store and other stores, gossip is all over the place. It happens at school. It happens in the workplace. It happens at home. It happens with your neighbors. It even happens in the church. And the reality is, is that gossip is more dangerous than we think it is. And so to conclude our series in Proverbs today, we're going to look at the topic of gossip. And I want us to look at it from three questions. What is gossip? Why do we do it? And how can we replace it? What is gossip? Why do we do it? And how can we replace it? I think it's helpful first to give a definition of what gossip is. And I find that there is one pastor slash author who has defined it pretty well for us. And his definition of gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. That gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back, out of a bad heart. I think that's a really helpful definition because it is talking to someone else about someone else. And what's interesting is that the Proverbs will actually link Lying or slandering with gossip. Let's first look at Proverbs 16, verse 28. Proverbs 16, verse 28. 
God's word says, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer or gossiper separates close friends. So when you're reading the Proverbs or the Psalms, you'll sometimes notice that these verses are parallel to one another. That is the the first part of the verse and the second part of the verse actually are related. So what this is saying here is that the dishonest man or dishonest person is like the whisperer or the gossiper. That gossip is usually filled with dishonesty. It's filled with lies or half-truth, which is actually still a lie. And so the dishonest man spreads strife. He, he or she will spread conflict because of the content of what he or she is saying. And we looked at this verse when we spoke about friendship, that even gossip can tear apart close friends. Has that happened to you before? That you were close friends with someone and you heard bad news about that person and you're no longer friends, or maybe it was the opposite. Someone gossiped about you and someone is no longer your friend because of it. Dishonesty will tear apart friendships and even churches. Or look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18. It says, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. Sometimes there are people who will conceal their hatred to you by lying to you. They pretend as if they like you, but they actually don't. Perhaps they will flatter you. And now the, the Proverbs now connects that with slander. And that those who slander, those who lie about others, the Proverbs says it's a, you're a fool. It's actually very foolish. It's not wise to do this. And when words are many, transgression is not lacking. That really, if you think about it, generally speaking, the more you speak, the more you might transgress or sin in your words. So if slander and lying is usually the content of our gossip, that means that it's sinful. That it is against God. That in fact, God hates it. Next chapter, Proverbs 11, verse 13. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Have you ever told someone a secret or something in confidence and then they told somebody else? Who then told somebody else? Who then told somebody else? Who then told someone else? 
Or have you done that? Where someone tells you, can you keep this in confidence? Can you not tell anyone about this? And then you went and told someone else who told someone else who told someone else. This person is not trustworthy. They can't keep a secret. In fact, they desire to tell everyone what they know and what they have heard. Because look at what Proverbs 20 verse 19 says. It starts off the same way. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. And so what's the conclusion? Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. That someone who gossips is one who opens their mouth, who goes about telling other people things that they have heard or seen. Would you want to spend time with or talk with someone who you knew would go and tell other people your business? That's why the proverb says, don't associate with a simple babbler. Because that person is actually going to tell other people what you just told them. So since the Proverbs are filled with slandering and lying as it pertains to gossip, maybe you're asking the question, what if it's true, though? What if I'm actually not lying or slandering someone, but what I'm telling another person is, in fact, true? Does that make it gossip? Is it okay for me to then share this information with someone else? Well, there are a few things that come to mind. First, if the person has asked you not to share it with somebody else, and then you go and share it with somebody else, you are not being trustworthy. You are still telling someone else something about that person behind their back. And sometimes it is bad news. There are times where people, and even Christians, commit very shameful and sinful and wicked things. So you have to ask the question, is it necessary for me to share this information? Is it necessary for me to share this information? There are some cases where it is. In cases of suicide or potential suicide, self-harm, if someone comes to you and tells you that, you should go tell someone else. In cases of abuse, you should go and tell someone else. Whether it's a teacher, if it's at school, a parent, a pastor, and then the police. Those are cases where we can share that information with other people. But however, if someone tells you or asks you not to share something with someone else that's not related to that, then you shouldn't share it. 
Another thing to think about is, have you ever played the game Telestrations? Maybe you're not familiar with that, but you're probably familiar with the game Telephone. You know, telephone, you tell someone something in the air, they tell someone else, they tell someone else, they tell someone else, and then by the time it gets to the last person, it's completely different. Telestrations is the visual version of telephone. It's where you draw a picture on a piece of paper, you pass it to the person to your left, and then they see the picture, and then they're supposed to write out in a word or words what they see. And then you pass that to the next person who sees the word, and then it's supposed to draw what you wrote. And you pass it to the next person, the next person, and it gets back to the person who originally drew the picture. And what's interesting about that game, if you're like me and you can't draw for your life, <laughs> then it is going to be completely different. And so that's a, that's a fun game, but the, the reality is, when it comes to gossip, as you start to share news to someone else who shares it with someone else, the story begins to change. Perhaps you're one who exaggerates the truth, or parts are left out. Once you begin to do that, the story changes and morphs. And the next thing you know, it's a completely different story. So why even share it in the first place? Why tell someone else what you know? I think it comes down to why we do it. Why is it that we gossip? Have you ever wondered that? Why is it that we give in to gossip? The Proverbs actually help us with this, and it's very, very interesting. Proverbs 26, verse 22. Proverbs 26, verse 22. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. A morsel is just a, a small portion of food. And notice it's described as being delicious. That is that you and I, we crave that information. We desire it. We want it. Because it's so juicy. It is so tasty and it goes deep down in us. It's really interesting how the Proverbs paints this picture for us, right? We really want to know. We desire it so badly. It's like when we see some candy on the table, some type of chocolate on the table. You know, before coming to the Midwest, I had never heard about Scotcheroos. <laughs> never. However, those are really delicious. <laughs> and as I read this verse and pondered this verse, I'm like, that is, that is a great picture. 
of what a scotcher is. But perhaps for you, it's something else. But regardless, the point is that this is something that we want. We see it and we want it. And perhaps we don't even see it and yet we still crave it. Where it's on our minds. Look at Proverbs 18, verse 8. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. That is not a typo. It is twice in the Proverbs, and I think for a very specific reason, is because that is how much we want it. That is how much we crave it. It's the exact same worded wording twice in the Proverbs. We crave it. And Jesus helps us to understand why, which goes back to our our definition. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That is, whatever is in your heart is going to come out by your speech. And so our heart craves the delicious news. And our heart wants more and more and more of it to be filled with it. And if that is what we are consuming, that is what we are taking in, that is what is going to come out. So what are some reasons? Uh, For some, there is FOMO. There is the fear of missing out. I just need to know. I have to know. And what's usually related to that is that there is a desire for power. If I know this news, I then have power and authority. In fact, I can even manipulate people because I have this news. Perhaps it's revenge. Has someone ever offended you and you found out perhaps by someone else? Perhaps someone was talking about you behind your back and you didn't know about it and you find out from someone else. What do you want to do in return? Perhaps you want them to feel the same way that you have felt. And so in revenge, you will then go and start to gossip about them. The desire for payback and retaliation. But when we really think about it, there is a level of judgment when it comes to gossip. I am judging this person based on what I know. We then become the, the judge and the lawgiver, we become then the standard. 
And perhaps there's even a level of comparison there. I didn't do what that person did. I'm actually better than that person. Why is that? There's a sense of of insecurity in us. We, We want to feel better about ourselves. And so if I can compare myself to someone who's in a horrible situation or who has done something heinous, I feel better. I didn't sin like they did. I've never got in the same things that they have done. I'm a better person than they are. And it's very, very, very easy for us to compare ourselves to other people. But we forget that we actually are not the judge. We are not the lawgiver. There's actually only one judge and lawgiver. And look at what Jesus says in Matthew 12, the the next two verses, or starting in verse 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. That you will stand before a perfect God and have to give account for every, every careless word that you have ever spoken, and included in that is gossip. So when you stand before God on the day of judgment and have to give an account for all the words you have spoken, how will you do? And this time, you're not comparing yourself to other people. You can't go up to the judgment seat and say, well, I didn't gossip as much as the person next to me. Or God, I'm better now. you will be rightly condemned. And that is the worst news. That is bad news for you. And it's not gossip because I'm telling you right now, that is bad news for you because you are condemned. You are guilty before God because of your words, your careless words. It sounds bleak. Where's the hope? In fact, there actually is no hope in ourselves. There is no hope in ourselves. You can then come out from this and say, well, you know what? I'm just going to stop gossiping and I'm going to be good with God. You've already broken his law. That's why there was one who did not break God's law. There was one who was pure in speech and pure in heart. There was one who never spoke a careless word and in fact they gossip about him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, their whole life was filled with planning on how they might kill Jesus Christ. 
always trying to find a way to trap him, and that he always spoke truth. And even though he was pure in heart and in speech, never gossiped, he was the one who was led to a cross as a guilty criminal. And it is on the, cro- on the cross that Jesus Christ was judged and condemned for every single careless word that you and I have spoken so that you and I could be justified before God. God rightly can condemn us for every careless word, but instead he speaks pardon. You are free. You are declared righteous now in the sight of God because of Christ. There was no deceit that was found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And your good shepherd, all he says is that he loves you. He delights in you. He cares for you. He protects you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So that if you are not a Christian, if you are not in Christ today, you can call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. There will be no condemnation for you anymore. But only grace. We have to remember, brothers and sisters, that our our appetites will never truly be satisfied with the mere morsels of gossip, but only with the extravagant feast that God richly provides to us in Jesus Christ. There is no comparison. Christ is the bread of life. He's the one who satisfies the longing soul. He's the only one who will truly satisfy you, not anything else and not gossip. So if you're in Christ, we have to remember then that we're not just called to not gossip. We're called to replace it. So how do we replace it? Proverbs chapter 4 is helpful here. Starting in verse 23. It says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. The Proverbs here remind us the truth of the centrality of the heart in this. That we're called to keep or guard our heart. Because we crave it so much, we have to guard our hearts against it. We are to put away this crooked speech and this devious talk. Our eyes are only to look towards Christ and and to look only to him and to ponder, verse 26. Think about that. Ponder means to think about the path of your feet. If you are tempted to go towards gossip, 
either to tell others or to hear information from others that you are to think about that and turn away from that. That you have to remember now that in Christ, the Spirit of God lives within you. Last week, we witnessed so many different baptisms, and the picture of baptism reminds us that we are dead to sin, that we are alive to God in Christ Jesus, that sin is no longer our master, that Jesus, our Lord, is our master now. And by his grace, we can actually fight against and kill, put to death, gossip. Proverbs 26, verse 20. It says, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. And when there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. You know, what's, what's challenging about gossip is, what if someone is talking with me, and then I then realize this person is now gossiping? What do I do? I think this power is, is, is helpful here because it tells us not to add anything to it that will provoke that person to give us more information. Because when you add wood to the fire and the fire grows bigger and stronger, it doesn't die out. So this actually means, which is challenging for some of us, to actually stop that person while they are gossiping. You say, brother or sister, if they're, if they're a Christian, brother or sister, have you addressed this with this person? Then we shouldn't be talking about this. Or say, should we go to this other person that you're talking about, and then can we now reconcile this situation? At times, it's going to be awkward. It'll be difficult. There, your heart might be filled with fear, but this is what we as Christians are called to do. It's to actually speak the truth in love and not add anything that would then create this vicious flame of gossip that will spread throughout a church and destroy and burn down a church. Ephesians helps us to then replace our speech. Ephesians, Ephesians 4 Verse 29, a verse you probably are already familiar with. Ephesians 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So the Christian life is a putting off and a putting on. So we put off the corrupt talk, the deceitful speech, and we put on gracious words to people. That is that as brothers and sisters, we're called to actually build one another up in the faith. So that after the service or throughout the week, he can speak about how can I be praying for you? What's something you've been reading or learning lately? Or can I share with you what I've been learning and reading from God's word? That you take stuff from the sermon and use that to, to build up your speech after the service. Or you think about a song that you were listening to or that we sang together and you say, this was very helpful for me. 
That those are the kind of words that you and I are to utilize to build one another up in the faith. Ephesians 5 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That the words that we are to speak to one another are to be filled with God's word. This is what Paul says in in Colossians, that we should let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. That is that the words that come out of our mouth are gospel words to build one another up, to encourage one another in the faith. Because guess what? God is the only one who can truly satisfy us. And if he's the one who can only truly satisfy us, then we should be speaking about him to one another. That we need not tell other people about other people. You have a problem for your brother has sinned against you. Matthew 18 calls you to go and talk to that brother or sister. To not spread the news to other people, but to go directly to that person. And so this means for us uh, privately spending time in God's word. If God's word is what is supposed to be coming out of our heart, then as the psalm says, we hide God's word in our heart. And that as a family, you spend time reading the scriptures together. And that you gather with other Christians throughout the week. And that you give yourself to the preaching of the word every Sunday And as you do that, God will change your heart and he'll change my heart so that our speech is gracious towards one another. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks because you are kind and merciful. And Lord, I pray that your word would sink deep into our hearts this morning, that you would change us, you would mold us, into the image of Christ, that we would be a church that is gossip-free, that we would use words to build one another up in Christ, that we'd be thankful for all that Christ has done and be so glad and filled with gratitude that we have already been forgiven. Help us to live in light of that, and as we look to your table now, Lord, help us to be just filled with awe and gratitude. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can grab your communion elements in your cup holder there. You know, in Jesus, in John chapter 6, he fed the 5,000, which is a story you're probably already familiar with. And as he fed these people, there was a crowd that was following Jesus. But Jesus realized and he knew their hearts. Jesus knew that they were following him not because he was Jesus, the Savior and Messiah, but because their tummies were full. These people did not actually believe in Jesus. They just wanted what he can give them. And this is actually, I think, even a good picture as we look at the the Lord's table, that those who don't believe in Jesus, who just want to 
follow him, or at least if they think in their mind to follow him because he can fill their stomachs, aren't true believers. And so the Lord's table is not for people who do not believe in Jesus Christ. However, the call for you is to turn to him, to come to him, that he is a gracious savior, that he does desire for you to trust in him alone for your salvation. Jesus says that he is the bread of life, that whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And so Christian, he has provided this meal for you to remind you of this, to remind you that you, even though may have gossiped this past week, that you have been forgiven in Christ. That is not because of how great you've done this past week that you can partake in this meal, but because of what Christ has already done on your behalf. That there is pardon and forgiveness already because of the blood that has been spilled. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks and he says, this is my body given for you. Let us eat. The blood of Christ has already been poured out for us many years ago to wash us clean, white as snow. This cup represents the the new covenant in his blood, which has been poured out for us. And he tells us to do this in remembrance of him. So let's remember that every time we partake in the supper, we together as a church proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. And one day he's coming back for us. Let us pray. Gracious Father, it's amazing that you have cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. That there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ. That our sins have been forgiven. It's been paid for by the blood of Christ. That we who are in Christ are clothed in his righteousness. That you don't chide us, but you love us dearly. And so, Lord, I pray that as we are reminded of this today, that you would help us to be people who fight against gossip. That as a church, we would be a people who are filled with gracious speech, Lord, and that we would be people in our, in our workplaces, in our homes, in schools, wherever else, with our neighbors. That we would be people who stand on truth and proclaim Christ to those around us. We love you, Lord. It's a privilege that we can serve you. So I pray you help us now to, to sing loudly because of what you've done for us. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.